Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It is great to have you today. You're in for an intimate conversation with Kareen Chambers. Kareen Chambers Saini is the CEO and founder of Diva, formerly known as the Diva Cup. This was a really, really exciting conversation for me to host because Diva is a brand that many of us are familiar with. Diva Cup is a product that many of us are familiar with and use and enjoy because the Diva Cup was really the pioneer mainstreaming menstrual cups for the masses. Today's conversation with Kareen starts very intimate and personal about her early experiences with menstruation, and then we talk about the business and more mainstream conversations around menstruation. And I really enjoy having entrepreneurship conversations, but there's something about today's discussion of early days in business, of really prototyping and pioneering a product that is different and exciting for us to talk about because it is such an intimate product, such an intimate business. There are so many facets of this where Kareen had to be very open and vulnerable in order to really talk about her business in depth. So I am really, really thankful for today's opportunity. Menstrual cups have been around since the 1930s in concept. And in the early 2000s, Kareen and her mother joined forces to develop Diva, which is a modern redesign of that menstrual cup. They've really taken the sanitary care aisle by storm. They have sold over 6.5 million Diva Cups internationally to date, and it's sold in over 40 countries around the world. As Diva CEO, Kareen oversees everything from product design, marketing, and the brand's philanthropic efforts, which I was really, really excited to talk with her about because Diva does incredible work in philanthropy and then also consumer education, which was a huge point of our conversation today, just what it means to really mainstream a sanitary care product. A lot of that is involving consumer education, shifting mindsets, shifting cultures, a really exciting, again, intimate kind of social look at a typical entrepreneurship conversation. We talk today, of course, about the health benefits of menstrual cups, and then we also talk about the environmental benefits of menstrual cups. This is really a first-of-its-kind menstrual product that Diva has created. They've partnered with TerraCycle to help reduce waste, carbon footprint impacts, and then, of course, just cutting down on the monthly sanitary products that we typically associate with disposables. We also talk about running a business in this very intimate space, and Kareen shares some insight on how she encourages her employees to stay open and vulnerable with themselves and really normalize menstrual health conversations. There's a menstrual health leave policy at Diva that we talk about today, which is really exciting. It allows employees to have 12 days of paid leave a year apart from their sick leave. Kareen is really a trailblazer in the space. She's leading change both within Diva and then as a broader advocate for the menstrual health space. Kareen and Diva have won many, many awards over the years. Really exciting ones include EY's Entrepreneur of the Year Award for Sustainable Products, Special Citation Award for Industry Disruptors. She was named one of Canada's top 40 under 50, and most recently, Kareen received the RBC Women of Influence Trailblazer Award in recognition for the industry-disrupting work she does with Diva International. Kareen is also very passionate and very outspoken about industry-wide shifts that she's looking to see in the menstrual care space. I was really excited to speak with her about the 2017 film that she launched spontaneously called Pandora's Box, 
I watched this film years ago and it was really exciting to speak with Kareen about the documentary. It's called Pandora's Box, Lifting the Lid on Menstruation. It talks about period poverty. It looks at period stigmas all over the world. It was a really thought-provoking and really influential film in the space. I'm going to go ahead and link it in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, it is available on YouTube. This was a really fabulous conversation, not just about, again, shifting norms and shifting the conversation in the menstruation space, but also creating a product that is industry disrupting, really conducting a business in a way that is in line with your values. We talk a little bit about her home life and how she really upholds these values in her household with her children. There are so many facets of this conversation, again, that are consistently intimate. And I'm so thankful that Kareen is open to sharing all of these facets and all of these knowledge nuggets, so to speak, with us. It was really, really a treat to learn from her, and I'm sure you'll really enjoy it. If you do enjoy this episode, you can share it with a friend. You can post it on your Instagram story and tag me at Podcast. You can send it in the group chat, send it to all of your friends. I really appreciate all the support. And if this is your first time listening to the show, just make sure that you are subscribed wherever you're listening. So iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Radio. I mean, even if it's not your first time listening to the show, just go ahead and double check. And then all of my social links are always in the show notes if you want to get in touch. The only little housekeeping item I have for us today is typically around this time of year, I send out an end of the year survey for anyone interested in giving feedback on the show and helping us plan for the next year. I will have that out next week and it will run for about a month and then we'll announce all of the findings and what we'll be doing with those survey results early in January. So keep an eye out for that. Again, it'll be in the show notes starting next week and I'll probably leave it open for about a month. But with that, thanks so much for tuning in today. I am excited to share this conversation with you with Kareen Chambers-Signy, all about menstruation, diva cups, and really normalizing period care around the world. Enjoy. I'd love to start us off today with a bit of a personal question, if that's okay, because it feels like our conversation today will get personal Can you tell me a little bit about your first experiences with menstrual education? What was that like for you the first time you were really learning about your period? You know what? I still remember, I think I was in maybe grade five that we had the menstrual health. It wasn't actually menstrual health. It was like the sex ed conversation. And by that point, at least in my school, they did put the boys and girls together, which I remember was like really uncomfortable and and everyone was kind of giggling and being like super awkward and uncomfortable but you know they didn't really get into much it was very high level didn't really get into a lot of the details but it's interesting that you actually asked that question because that is such an, an opportunity for improvement and I think that's lacking you know today's menstrual health education Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that was going to be my next question around menstrual health education. I know that Diva as a brand does so much advocacy and education for their consumers. What do you feel like at the surface level for young people, I suppose, entering this space? What do you feel are some of the misconceptions that people have about menstruation? Well, it's actually surprising how many misconceptions there still are. I think it's definitely getting better. And I will say over the last 20 years, since like I've been in this industry to now, it's leaps and bounds ahead of where we were 20 years ago. But we know that a lot of these stories and stigmas and taboos go back like hundreds, if not thousands of years and vary by culture, vary by region around the world. So there's a lot that's carried forward. And I think that it's just so important that we have these candid, honest conversations and just talk about the facts and not shy away from those conversations. Yeah. I think that when you mentioned shying away from these conversations, people are embarrassed to talk about their periods or people are uncomfortable with learning more about their periods. They feel like they know enough. And it's interesting to me that we as a society feel some level of discomfort educating ourselves and correcting some of these misconceptions because it's about half of the population that has a period, right? It shouldn't be that crazy. A lot of, a lot of people are experiencing this. It's kind of a lifelong experience to continue learning about your body and how impactful it is to be able to right your wrongs, so to speak, and correct yourself. Yeah. And you know, what's sad is that so many girls, when they first get their period are like horrified and 
Like through our years of talking to so many people about periods, finding out that they didn't have anyone to ask. They actually thought they may be dying. They thought they had cancer. They had no idea even what it was. Even for my own mom, like they didn't really talk about that. She was freaking out that she was bleeding and her mom was like, oh, here's some stuff. And like gave her like these crazy pads that were like massive with pins and belts and everything. And like, that was it. It's like, you're a woman now. We don't talk about this. You don't do the things that all the other boys do and that you used to do because now you can't do those things anymore. And that was about it. Oh yeah. That was a very similar experience. I thought I was dying. I was so embarrassed to tell my mom and I was like, mom, I don't know how to tell you this, but like my life is ending. And she was like, oh, we just haven't had this talk yet. Like buckle up. Like this is what we're going to do. And yeah. And at first when you're young and you're experiencing a period for the first time, you really do feel like your options are so limited. It's a really difficult experience for a lot of women. And you feel like, yeah, you have this giant pad and that's what you're gonna have to live with for the rest of your life. But actually you have a lot of options. So I feel like this is actually a wonderful conversation to segue into period products. Like let's talk about period products, the pros and cons of different things. And of course I want to talk about cups. I want to talk about menstrual cups. Well, it's something I'm very passionate about. And, you know, my mom was, and still is very passionate about, but really stemmed for her from hating those products and like her experience, her first period experience, like really scarred her. And she always felt that there had to be a better way and dreamed about this kind of cup idea. Little did she know that menstrual cups have actually been around since the 1930s believe it or not. So unfortunately, they were kind of very secretive. I don't know why that was probably part of all the stigma around that periods are dirty, right? So you don't want to use anything that you wash, like even reusable pads and cloths and stuff became out of favor because it was like, oh, you just throw the period away. Like you don't want to look at the blood. So there was some versions on the market over the years. And when I was 14, she discovered menstrual cups exist and was like, Oh my gosh, how is this not everywhere? This is like what I've been dreaming of since I was 13 years old. And it wasn't until we both tried it. Like it was a complete game changer for both of us. And we became like, everyone needs to know, know about this. Like we will not stop until every single person knows about menstrual cups and how they can just change your life. I love that story. And I love that this is a conversation happening between you and your mom at a young age. It sounds like your mom was very nurturing while you were experiencing something that could have been really traumatic or really horrific. And it sounds like it was in the most nurturing way possible, which is what you want for everyone. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about this conversation, I suppose, or this relationship that your mom and you had around menstrual cups. Like, why was that so impactful? Why was that something that you could really bond over and really grow with. She has always been really, I would say one of the eco-chic veterans, you could say, just really into all things eco. So it really bothered her to even like throw away all those products, throw away all all the pads, all the tampons and, and the packaging that goes along with it. It's like billions and billions of products every year. So this was something... I think that just like really resonated with her. And when she found out that they existed, I had had my period for maybe about a year when she discovered cups and already I was like fed up. It was like, they don't work. They were leaking. I could barely make it to lunchtime without like leaking through everything. And when we tried cups, we were just so excited. Like, and we always had our period at the same time. So I went to school and she went to her store. She had a retail store at the time and we came home and we were like jumping up and down. I'm not even kidding you. We were just like, Oh my God, I made it through the day. And she's like, Oh my God, I made it through the day. I'm like, it's so comfortable. We were able to go for like the entire day and that's had never happened. And so I think that's just that just started that spark. And we just were really open about it. And I was lucky that way, you know, you you mentioned how rare that is. And I think it was really rare that we could just talk so openly about periods and about my experience. She had empathy, but she was also like, this is the reality. And 
don't freak out about it. Even with the cup, I didn't even want to use the cup because when I first saw the cup and I'm like, what is this toilet plunger looking thing that is super scary and I don't want anything to do with it. And she was just like, really, she's very matter of fact and just became kind of a cheerleader for it. Like all the benefits and I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Quick break to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Everly Well. Make it about more than just the holidays this year with the gift of health from Everlywell. Give the gift of nourishing vitamins and supplements and over 30 at-home lab tests like food sensitivity and women's health to help your loved ones get further with their health goals. I have been itching to try Everlywell for quite some time. I have some friends who have tried the food sensitivity test and I've been seeing it all over TikTok as well. So I was really, really excited to get the food sensitivity test. It really is a super simple test that you send in and you get so much information on your body, on your gut, and I feel like you can make much more informed decisions when it comes to that day-to-day health maintenance that you're doing at home. So again, this is a really satisfying gift to give to someone and one that I personally really enjoyed giving to myself. Everlywell is a digital healthcare designed for you with personal results and accessible tools for long-term health. With over 30 at-home lab tests and high-quality vitamins and supplements, you'll be able to find the perfect test for you or your loved one. I've mentioned the women's health and food sensitivity tests, but they even have a celiac disease screening test, and these are only a couple of the many, many options that you can find through Everlywell. Here's how it works. Everlywell ships products straight to you or your loved one with everything needed in one package. If you order an at-home lab test, the sample can be just collected at home really easily and then shipped back in a certified lab prepaid envelope, including the test. Digital physician-reviewed results are sent to your preference of device in just a few days. If you order vitamins or supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. I started adding fish oil supplements, which I knew were good for me, but then I got directly from Everlywell. Really simple and a really great addition to my little morning vitamin routine. It's so simple with over a million people that have trusted Everlywell to support their health and wellness goals, and now you can help your loved ones do the same. The gift of health has never been so easy to share than it is this holiday season. For listeners of the show, Everlywell is offering a discount of 20% of an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash ecochic. Again, that's everlywell.com slash ecochic for 20% off your next at-home lab test, everlywell.com slash ecochic. It'll be in the show notes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The concept just had that much of an impact on our lives that... We've literally dedicated, like that was back in 1992 that my mom started getting into menstrual cups and 2001 around then was when we started developing Diva and launched in 2003. So this has been like the last 30 years of our family's life that we've really been dedicated and focusing all our energy on spreading the word. Thank you so much for sharing that story and sharing those sentiments. It's really personal and it's really reflective. And I have to say, there's also something kind of inherently personal about using a menstrual cup on an individual level, because you are visually seeing how much blood is coming out of your body, quite literally. Like there is something very personal about getting to know yourself through your period and through really tracking your cycle and getting to know who you are on that really intimate kind of health scale that a lot of people don't have experience with or that they're not open to because of all these stigmas that we talked about earlier of the misconceptions that people have around their own periods and around period products. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate how reflective that was. And you have kind of brought us in the timeline to the inception of Diva. So I'd love for you to talk to me about those early days of starting Diva about what that early 2001 to 2003 time period was like for you? Yeah, it was interesting. It was very difficult to get a product made at that time, especially a medical device. And we had to go through all the medical device regulatory through FDA, through Health Canada. And 
frankly, I mean, I had just graduated university. We didn't have a lot of support. There was no like incubators or, you know, entrepreneur coaches really at that time that just didn't really exist. So we had a really difficult time finding a supplier, finding someone to help. We had the design, but we had to, how do you transfer that into CAD drawings and into creating a prototype and all of that. So it took us two years to develop it. And through a lot of kind of serendipitous moments, one thing led to another, a lot of research, and we were able to finally get the product made, get the approvals that we needed. And we launched in on our first website in 2003, with the intention to take this global and take this to retailers like we really couldn't stop focusing on that vision having the diva cup on every single shelf where other menstrual products are sold so that was kind of really where we thought if we could just achieve that then this wouldn't be a weird kind of out there niche thing this would be really something that would be accepted and that was really the vision and the goal I have to imagine if you are in this position where you're looking to take menstrual cups from this niche product to scale, getting into those initial marketplaces must have been an interesting experience. I imagine that there was some challenges and I have to imagine that there was also some education that had to be done on the value of this product. So can you talk to me a little bit about those initial stages of actually getting your product in front of consumers? The first few years, we spent a lot of time going to consumer shows, going to fairs, festivals, and wherever we could just be standing and talking about it one-to-one. But the biggest challenge really was getting into retail, and it was not easy at all. None of the buyers we met at that time were open to it. Most of them were men. Most of them were gray-haired men, to be honest. Oh, we went to one trade show around 2015, maybe. And we were so excited. We spent all our money going to this trade show. And it was like speed dating with the retailers. And we were just blown away by who we were actually presenting to. And they could not even look at us in the eye. They were like looking down and we were so excited. Like we had our presentation and we had all this like data and all this information and samples and yeah, it didn't go very well to, <laughs> to put it mildly, but it was really interesting. And it just showed us how much work still needed to be done before we could even go back to that level of retail. So we focused on the health food stores, the mom and baby shops, the eco shops, and the kind of outdoor adventure, even yoga enthusiasts. Like we used to advertise in yoga journal. We used to do free diva cups to all the yoga teachers at these conferences. We've had to find other avenues that were a little bit more warm and welcoming to something different like this. Yeah. And I have to imagine also as you are expanding your reach and trying to reach out to these more community groups, I'm supposing. So if we're saying warmer groups, I'm thinking of like people who are open to different things, like you mentioned, when you're reaching out to these different audiences, I imagine that it's quite different. The pitch that you have to give to each of these audiences, like the yoga enthusiasts and the hiker are not necessarily buying into a menstrual cup for the same reasons. So I suppose, could we just talk for a second about the benefits of menstrual cups? We mentioned a little bit the waste and the kind of environmental footprint, the more immediate environmental footprint, but let's talk about why people should think about menstrual cups. Well, I always felt like the biggest advantage besides the eco aspect of it was the freedom and the comfort level, just like not having to worry about having to change your disposable throughout the day, which is really like maybe four to six hours. If you're lucky, if you have a heavier flow, it's even less. And it's just something that's always on your mind. And I always felt myself like, like a back burden of just having to worry all the time. Like, am I leaking? Is, is it overflowing? That kind of thing. 
thing and switching to a cup that first of all holds a lot more and adapts to the different types of flow because as you know the flow isn't just like a blue liquid like they show in the commercials that's like windex consistency it's actually mucus it's endometrial lining there's different textures depending on where your hormones are how old you are the stress level that you have currently going on i mean there's a lot of things that factor even your diet can impact your flow consistency and so it just adapts to how much flow if it's light if it's heavy if it's a thinner consistency or a thicker consistency and it just works i think the concept like works way better than something that's absorbing and you're not exposing the body to chemicals like dioxins and fibers that can come out of the products in kind of leach into the body or leave behind the trace of fibers and such Thank you for talking us through that. It seems like all of these points are advocated for separately, but very often when you're presented with this information, it kind of seems like a no brainer. You're like, of course, I don't want to expose my body to toxins that it doesn't need to be exposed to. Of course, I want to be able to have the freedom to go about my day without thinking about my period. So I understand the need for this education because if you were given all of this information at the start of your period journey and knowing that you have this option of something that is more adaptable and makes more sense for your body, why wouldn't you choose that option? So I think just all that to say, I feel like it's a disservice that young women are presented just with immediately the options of pads and tampons. Like the more that you normalize these conversations and the more retail spaces you can get in and normalize products like menstrual cups and menstrual discs. It just, it seems to me like a no brainer. I'm like, why not? It is. It totally is. I mean, but it really comes down to the biggest factor that prevents people from doing it is this like ick factor and the fear around inserting a cup. We get a lot, especially from younger girls, like, is it going to get lost? Can I still pee with the cup? Um, They don't understand yet that there's like two separate spots. So there's, there's the vaginal canal and then there's the urethra and they're not the same thing. Um, So there's a lot of education around that, but it just comes down to the fear around this and around having to actually insert something. That's still something that is difficult to overcome. And we do as much education as we can, but it's kind of like a mind game that you just have to say, you know what, I'm going to just try it. What do I have to lose? And usually once people try it, they're like, oh, okay. Why did I wait so long? This wasn't that bad, but just getting out of their head is the biggest challenge. Yeah. I could definitely understand that, that it's not just about education, but also these kind of individual personal changes and decisions that people have to make in mindset shift. So that's also really valuable. Something that we briefly spoke about that I brought up, I'd love to hear from you. What is the difference between a menstrual cup and a menstrual disc? Discs have also been around quite a long time. Um, And actually, if they go back to almost probably in the 50s as well, where they're like the diaphragm, So it's basically similar to a diaphragm. So it's a bigger circumference than a cup and it's worn a lot differently. So it's basically worn behind pubic bone in the front and it goes back much further behind the cervix. So it's kind of worn. I mean, you almost have to look it up and look up a diagram since we're doing a podcast. I can't show it to you exactly, but it is worn differently and there's different benefits. They both have the same benefits where it can be worn for 12 hours. It can be worn overnight, swimming, all of these great things. Doesn't absorb, doesn't leach chemicals. A lot of the same benefits. The difference often comes down to a woman's body and what's more comfortable. Some people prefer the cup shape. Some people prefer the disc shape. 
And it just depends on how your canal is formed and what you're comfortable. Some people, I like to go back and forth between the two, depending on, you know, what I'm in the mood for. And also, I really like that, especially since I had children, I really like the disc because it sits a little higher. So I have a lower cervix now since I have children. So it's actually really comfortable and it takes a bit of pressure off of my bladder, which is more sensitive now since I've had children. So there's just different, like very minor benefits. And the major benefit I think is that you can actually have sex with a disc where you can't with a cup shape because it's worn low in the canal, whereas a disc is worn higher up. So that's an option that a lot of people like to have as well. Oh, thank you so much for walking us through that. I mentioned to you before we started recording, I actually do not know a lot about menstrual discs. And I feel like I hear about menstrual cups, especially from girlfriends, very largely because of Diva and very largely because of all the work that Diva has done to normalize menstrual cups. But I feel like menstrual discs have a minute to get there. Like we're aware of them and the conversation is being had, but I would like to know more about them as a consumer. So thanks for walking yeah, through well, that. Well, definitely I encourage everyone to check out our social pages, especially I think Instagram and TikTok, we have a ton of videos and little snippets on how to use it. When I started using discs, I couldn't find one that actually worked for me. And the one disadvantage is that they're a lot messier to remove than a cup because it's just more flat. So when you're taking it out, it was like spilling. So we spent the last couple of years testing many different prototypes and figured out a solution to make it a lot cleaner. So we actually came up with this leak proof shield that's in the disc. So when you're actually removing it and like the way we designed the shape of it and the full tab, it's actually like really clever and a lot less messy. So yeah, we're getting great reviews. It just launched about a month ago and it's already sold out. So we're actually doing pre-orders right now for I think shipping end of December. (laughs) We didn't expect that to happen. I guess we should have expected it, but we didn't expect it would be so well received. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. That's wonderful. That's a great thing to not plan for. Yeah. Success of your new product. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No, we're really proud of the design. That's really exciting for me because I haven't been able to do that since we created the Diva Cup and took all of our ideas and put it into that. So getting to be involved in this project that was so close to me and, you know, testing. And we had some like versions that did not work. (laughs) It was a disaster, but it's like, okay, next on the drawing board. But We're like, I know we're going to figure this out and we weren't going to launch something that wasn't going to be an improvement upon what was out there. Like, what was the point? We don't believe in that. So yeah, I'm really proud of it. I hope everyone checks it out. I have to wonder that when you're mentioning you haven't been so deeply involved with a product design since the launch of the Diva Cup in 2003, I have to imagine that there were some lessons learned in those early stages of product design of the Diva Cup that you brought in to this experience with a menstrual disc. What do you feel like were some of the challenges in the early days of the Diva Cup that you were able to kind of combat or avoid in some way with the menstrual disc? Well, I will say one of the really big improvements since that time is that we can we can produce prototypes a lot easier. And we've got 3D printing now, which we didn't have back then. So that was really helpful to be able to physically see the product. Definitely had a lot of experience in the design of the Diva Cup. We also had several failed prototypes before. And I think what I learned from that is like, just don't give up because you will get there. It's very frustrating when like you have to wait so long to get that prototype and then it fails and then you have to wait so long again to get the next version and go back to the drawing board. So it's a very lengthy process. But 
I definitely learned that you will get there if you keep working at it. And sometimes you just have to like put everyone's heads together and brainstorm some crazy things. Like we actually had a version of the disc that came out and it looks like a toilet bowl. (laughs) And it didn't really look like that until we made the prototype and it didn't work. But it was like, yeah, we're not going to do the toilet bowl version. That's that's not going to go over well. How are you testing these prototypes? Like when you say there's a failed prototype, is it like you look at it and you just know it's wrong? Or do you have people in a lab looking at this all together and saying, oh, this just simply doesn't catch anything? Well, it was literally me testing all of the prototypes. I was the tester. And once we had a version that was starting to work, then we started making enough for our team to test. And then we took it to bigger testing. It was a process, but I wasn't going to start getting other people to try it. And unless it passed my very high expectations, It sounds like this is a very intimate team experience for you too. If you are getting other people on the team to try out these prototypes and you yourself are trying out your prototypes before you launch a product, it sounds like it has to be a very intimate team environment. So who are these people that you're surrounding yourself with? How are you maintaining this spirit of intimacy, I suppose, in your workplace? I think um, I've had to get over my shyness with that. I mean, I got over that a long time ago, talking about periods all day, every day, and, you know, all of the very intimate parts of, you know, what we do. But with the disc, it was different because now I'm talking about my own experience with the people that I work with every day. So that was a little bit challenging. Sometimes people would kind of get slightly uncomfortable, but we talk about things, I think, because I talk about it very matter of fact, and I don't make a big deal about it, that everybody else is like, okay, this is a safe space. And they understand what we do and what we're trying to accomplish. And honestly, our team is amazing. They're just so passionate about what we do. And we have a lot of guys on our team too. Like it's not a hundred percent female team. We have probably majority female, but we do have a lot of men on the team and they've been huge supporters. I think it's just the nature of our organization. Yeah. It sounds like you've really created a very safe space for people to have these conversations, which is admirable, especially because we were talking earlier at the top of our conversation around how a lot of people aren't comfortable about having conversations around their menstrual cycles and people aren't comfortable having these conversations in the mainstream. So being able to have a workplace where you're all working towards a solution for that problem together, and then you have to kind of inherently create that to be similarly a safe space and create that community that you're looking to build out in the world with mainstreaming these conversations. So I have to imagine it's a very, yeah, safe place to have these, these conversations. And it's kind of like a, it's a test of your goal. I don't think that people would apply to Diva knowing what we do if they didn't have a certain level of comfort, but also, you know, we encourage those conversations every day. And one of the other things we did actually a year ago is we implemented a paid menstrual leave policy within our organization. So anyone who needs it that is menstruating can take one day per month off paid up to 12 days per year. And that also, I think that the project of putting that policy in and getting everyone's buy-in and having those conversations as a team, as a company, that has also, I think, perpetuated this culture of acceptance around menstruation and around these conversations and normalizing them and being like, oh, hey, I'm going to take a paid menstrual leave date this afternoon. So and, and people were like announce that in a meeting in front of everybody. And it's like not even a big deal. So that's really cool. Like that's what we want to see more of. And that was one of the motivations behind implementing that is to help these conversations move forward and try to encourage other companies to do the same. I love that. That's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that and kind of the logistics of how it works out in the workplace in real time. Thanks for that. I'm excited to hear about this 
really safe space that you've created for your employees and this place that you have created to normalize these conversations within the business. And now I'm curious to know kind of the flip side. You mentioned that you are a mother and your experience with your menstrual cycle has changed a little bit since becoming a mother. So I'd love to hear about that experience as well. How do you feel like motherhood has kind of shifted your perceptions on menstruation, if at all, or how is this kind of impacting your day-to-day business? I suppose, working in the business of menstrual cycles. I think the biggest challenge I faced was just being an entrepreneur and used to working kind of crazy hours to becoming a mother. And like, I actually had this perception that I didn't need any help and it would just be like really easy. And I could just keep my baby at my desk all the time and and (laughs) I would just keep working and then it would be fine. And then it wasn't quite that case. And then I got pregnant again and I had my children 16 months apart. So my daughter was only seven months old when I found out I was pregnant again. You know, it was just a really, really challenging time in my life. I learned a lot about prioritizing my health. And I don't want to say balance, because I don't think that there's such thing as work life balance, per se, you kind of have to flow with all the challenges and try to keep going somehow without expecting that everything is going to be perfect all the time. And I know I'm kind of talking about a couple different things here, but I think that was just a really interesting time in my life because I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about my goals in life. And after I completely burned myself out to the point that I couldn't even function anymore, actually, that was an incredible gift because that's when I started giving up a lot of control in the business and bringing in people that were way smarter than me to you know, bring and help grow Diva. So because I became a mother, Diva ended up growing once I found that. So that was really interesting to experience it. And now I'm in this next phase, like my children are 12 and 13 now. Now we talk about menstruation. My daughter started menstruating last year. And so we talk about things very openly. And I have a son too. So how do we talk about menstruation in our household? Trying to foster empathy for my daughter from the guys in the house and not kind of perpetuate these this whole shame and stigma around menstruation. So that's also been really interesting. I'm glad you brought up how you're discussing menstruation with your children, because that was going to be my next question of, you know, going from this point of this grind of entrepreneurship, like you were saying, the business was able to grow because you became a mother and were able to give up some of that control. And this phase of your life where you have to talk to your children about menstruation, I feel like must be an interesting challenge because it's kind of an ongoing process. It's something that happens every month. It's something that we're talking about very, very frequently. And being able to open up that conversation also to your son is so important because a lot of men don't have those conversations at home, especially if they don't grow up around women. So if you wouldn't mind, could you talk to me a little bit about how you have those conversations with your son or how you kind of foster some, some empathy around menstruation with your son? I think one of the things I learned also being in this business and talking to so many men over the years that like they were really curious about menstruation, but they were always told, oh, you don't need to worry about it. Oh, don't talk about that. Don't ask those questions. And they always felt more shame around it. Like, oh, I did something wrong. So I wanted to make sure that we didn't do that in my household. And even when my kids were like really little and I would be, you know, taking my diva cup out or putting it in and kids are like always just walking in the bathroom and (laughs) just be like, mommy, what's that? Oh no, you're bleeding. And I just be like, no, mommy just has her period and it's okay. And like, we've started that from very little that I wouldn't hide it. I'd just be like, yep, that's what it is. And just very nonchalant, like not make a big deal about it. And that's what we've continued to do. So, you know, my son would be like, oh, well, why is my daughter, you know, not coming down for movie night? I don't want to just say, oh, she's not feeling well. Oh, she has her period and her cramps are really bad today. So she's, she needs some extra care, like that kind of thing where it's like, we answer their questions. We don't tell them that 
like they shouldn't be asking, don't worry about it. It's none of your business. So that's just one way I think that we've been able to overcome that. I appreciate that. And I think there's something also very admirable about this gentle parenting around menstrual cycles. That's so different from what we talked about at the top of our conversation of that classroom setting in the fifth grade, where you're hearing about these things, very surface level for the first time. And the kids are kind of giggling and no one really has anything to compare this against, or they have very little knowledge of this beforehand because there was a generation of parents who were really uncomfortable talking about this. And uh, there's a generation of children who grew up never hearing this until that fifth grade classroom experience. So I just really applaud and admire the way that you're having these conversations in your household and very gentle parenting style. I love it. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. And it's like the one thing, even with all the things I've done, my daughter is still completely terrified of the cup and like, isn't comfortable to try it herself yet. I'm like, I should be the one where my young daughter, I mean, basically I was using a cup almost at her age and she's just not there. And that's okay too. And that's what I've had to understand too, is that everyone's bodies are unique and there are other sustainable, amazing options like reusable period underwear, reusable pads. There's other options. You can even buy period sportswear now. I mean, there's like yoga pants with built-in pads. So I think we've come a long way. I know it's like a lot of times these reusables are made fun of and used in a joking way. There was just a, a skit with Amy Schumer a couple of weeks ago on Saturday Night Live making fun of period underwear and stuff. But they are changing the world and the reusables are definitely worth looking into and they're not as taboo and they're more known. And I just love how many companies are out there with their designs and like just trying to help this cause. Yeah, I think that's a really wonderful note for us to close on. I think that sustainability has come a long way as a conversation topic as a whole, but then especially within menstrual care, it is really, really incredible to see how many options we have now and what the marketplace looks like, because it shows that the conversations have really shifted and people are willing to try new things. Didn't even get to ask you about Pandora's box. The film is available on YouTube, Pandora's box, lifting the lid on menstruation. We had a blast making the film. It was just an incredible journey. It's award-winning. We did the film festival circuit. It was like one of my life's most biggest pleasures and joys to see this film come to life and see the impact that it's having on education. So I highly recommend everyone and their kids watching the film. It's still relevant. It came out a few years ago, but it's still so relevant today. It's just a really good conversation starter around the issues surrounding menstruation and kind of showing menstruation in the light of, you know, our basic human rights and what that means and gender equality and just so many different factors. It's quite layered and filmed in five countries around the world. So definitely check it out. Was there a flashbulb experience that encouraged you to create this documentary and to really push for this film to be made? Well, it all kind of started at a conference I was speaking at in New York in 2017. It was the first conference on periods put on by period.org. It was like bringing young people together to talk about menstruation around all these issues and the work that advocacy work that they do and all these young activists. It just felt like in my gut, this was going to be big. And we decided to bring a film crew and just start filming some interviews and talking to people that we were meeting there. And just these stories were coming out and we realized, okay, like this would be really cool to put some of this content together. And then the project just kept growing and growing. And we ended up having over a thousand hours of footage that we filmed over the five countries in the next year and a half that we had to like combine into a 75 minute film. So it is really, really powerful. But that kind of moment, it was like, I'm not a filmmaker, but the documentary that just evolved and we ended up partnering with Media One Creative out of Toronto and 
brought in an award-winning director, Rebecca Snow. We had an all-female crew and it was magic. I can't say enough. Like, I just absolutely love this film so much. Because this film for you was so necessary and impactful and you had this foresight to say, I think this is going to be a big conversation. And again, you mentioned how much footage there was going across five countries and parsing it down to a 75 minute film. What do you think was the most striking experience for you during this creation process? Was there a moment or an incident or a story, someone you met that really you were not expecting to be so impacted by? You know, there are several stories that really hit home. And as long as I had been in this industry, didn't really think about things in that way. One of them was actually the interview of several women that we talked to that had been inmates in the U.S. prison system and their experiences with menstruation and withholding products from them and using menstruation as almost like a control mechanism and a punishment. I was like, what year are we living in? Like this doesn't, I I just can't believe that this is happening today. Menstruation is not just about things that are happening in developing nations with people that we don't really know or think about. Like these are happening really close to home and the, the level of period poverty, which is the inability to access products for your period and to have dignity while menstruating is shocking in Canada and in the US. So yeah, it was just all of the stories together was eye opening, even for me. And we had people running out of the theater when we were doing the screenings at different film festivals, just saying like, how can I get involved? Like, I didn't even understand that this was really happening at this degree. That's been really exciting to see but I can't say one particular one. There's just so many. Yeah, that was a great response. I can't imagine that it's easy to pick one particular story that's most impactful. That was a very tough question on my part, but I think that you touched on something really important, this concept of menstruation being used as an opportunity for control over menstruating groups. I mean, it's really frustrating to know that it is happening all over the world. It's happening more commonly than a lot of people would assume. And it's really frustrating to see a problem from that consumer perspective of the film, from the viewer's perspective, that you can't directly impact or help in some way. I think people feel this way about like the larger climate crisis. A lot of the time they know it's a problem, but what can I do and how can I be impactful in this situation? And similar to the crisis of period property, you know, what's happening, but you know, how do you want to get involved? Because there are so many touch points. There are so many ways for us to have these conversations more frequently, more mainstream, be able to be aware and donating to groups. There's a lot to do around the crisis of period poverty. So I can understand how people would be overwhelmed and really impacted by those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And there are lots of ways for people to get involved. We do have a number of organizations we work with, like any number of the organizations that are featured in the film. You can look up in your community. Food banks are often in need of products. And there's many chapters of period.org, as well as other, a lot of them youth run advocacy groups and pretty much any college or university has some kind of program. So there's lots of ways definitely to get involved. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Kareen Chambers, founder and CEO of Diva. I know I learned a lot. I really enjoyed listening to this conversation. Like I said at the top, I will have linked in the show notes the Pandora's Box documentary that we were referring to. You can watch it on YouTube. And then also down there, I'll have all my social links so you tell me what you thought of the episode. I really appreciate any feedback. If you've stuck around this song, you can rate and review the show. Again, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening today. And with that, I hope you have a really fabulous rest of your day, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.